Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I am Andrew DeWolf. And I'm Brianna Jones. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew and Brie to like musical theater. And today we have one one of our favorite guests, one of our favorite people, in fact. Um, uh, there, there's no bearing the lead. You read the title. It's Christy from Musical Hell. Yeah. Oh, no. Add like applause Back here. Back so soon. Uh, applause. <laughs> it, it's been a minute since we've had her on. It's been since Hades Town. It has been. It's been, I think, over a year now, hasn't it? Yeah, oh, it's God. actually been a while. Okay. T- time means nothing. <laughs> Yeah, time, time has hasn't paused, meant anything uh, since April, so who cares? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's 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 a mess. Um, vote, guys. I, I I don't. This isn't too far from the election, so. Yo, sure how about voting. that VP debate, guys? That was pretty cool to watch, right? <laughs> As we record this, what two hours before it happens? Yes. Whoa, yes. whoa! Don't no trade secrets here. <laughs> you know, looks like those clowns in Congress did it again. <laughs> You know, the next thing that these crazy, crazy politicians are going to do, they're going to legalize, like, organ repossession. And I know... That'd be I, ridiculous. I mean, it's not the most ridiculous thing in the world. You'd have to have, like, some sort of major corporation with lots and lots of money lobbying constantly to get something like that through Congress. And then they'd have to, like, have this uh, soprano spokes model that they can, you know, replace her blind eyes and so that she becomes really popular and that she can sell all the public on it. And Paris yeah. Hilton. For some reason. Well, yeah. <laughs> Repo, the genetic opera. <laughs> Cue the music. Repo Man. Repo Man. It's a thing. Let's job. But somebody's got to do it. Off the tissue inch by inch, skinning off the muscles too. Now, do repo men usually work for the company that's repossessing, or do they usually work for the state? I think it's like an independent organization. I don't know. I've been fortunate enough never to have a repo man deal with me, so. If you're a repo man, co- come and tell us. Like, <laughs> what what's your day to day life? How many people do you kill per week? <laughs> But Repo, the genetic <laughs> opera, is a 2008 American science fiction gothic rock musical horror film. That's enough genres. Directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman with a soundtrack produced by Japanese rock star Yoshiki. Based on the 2002 musical of the same name, which was written and composed by Darren Smith and Terrence Zadunich. The film stars Alexa Vega, Paul Servino, Anthony Stewarthead, Sarah Brightman, Paris Hilton, Bill Mosley, Nivik Ogre, and Terrence Sedunich. Repo premiered at the Fantasia Film Festival in 2008, and it was followed by a very limited release in November 2008. On seven screens in Pasadena, Chicago, um, Charlotte, Kansas City, Toronto, and Ottawa, it grossed $53,000 in its opening weekend and a $6,711 average per theater. The film's full 11 theater release earned around $146,000 in the United States and an additional $41,000 internationally for a total gross of 188000 worldwide. 
The film initially received mixed to negative reviews, but gained a cult following similar to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, managing to fill theaters worldwide with costumed fans performing shadow cast versions of the movie, which Smith and Zdunich often visit quite often to meet fans. And yeah, that's all the background history we need. Um, <laughs> what Christy, more do you how- need to say? I mean, they they can't say we didn't do it, though. We can't say we didn't give any background of what this show is. But, Christy, you've known about this show for a good long while. How'd you find it? Um, oh, geez. I think, you know, it was, you know, being talked up around the internet um, because, you know, obviously, you know, I was, you know, on Phantom of the Opera boards. And, of course, Sarah Brightman has that connection. So, you know, people are like, oh, hey, she's going to be in this movie. So, yeah, I saw it and I'm like, okay, well, that was a thing that happened. Um, you know, it's... Did a you see it in a theater? No, I saw it the... on video. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think I was anywhere near, like, the 11 screens where that happened. Um, but, yeah, I did that. And then, you know, cut to about four years later, I'm doing Musical Hell. And that was, like, my fifth or sixth episode somewhere in there, maybe fourth but it was like in the very first year that I did Musical Hell, I did a review on Repo, and it's still out there if anybody wants to see my awful early work. I, I've watched it. It's pretty good for people's early work. It's really, really up there. Um, it's better than our early work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dead-eyed into the camera. Our early work is terrible. But let me <laughs> tell a little bit about how I found this, because I find it a little funny. I don't know if any of you guys remember a review website. It's now defunct called Spill.com. I I, I do remember that one, actually. Um, But I just go to their homepage and they released a review and it's just Sarah Brightman's face. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Does she do movies? And then I listened to the review and I was like dying to figure out what this movie was because it's like this weird Sweeney Todd-esque like Rocky Horror musical with Sarah Brightman and Paris Hilton. And I'm like, uh, I need to find this out. And a fee- I had to wait till Blu-ray. The day it came out on Blu-ray, I had to like go to a Meyer or Walmart or something, found it and immediately took it home. And it was an insane experience to watch first time sight unseen. It's like terrible and amazing at the same time. Yes. That's a very good way to put it. (laughs) I feel like I enjoyed it, but hated every second. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so it's like Cats. No, no one enjoyed Cats. (laughs) No, I actually, I really don't enjoy Cats. I'll be honest. Every single time I've seen Cats, I hated it all the way through. Whereas this is like, this is like got such a great concept to it. And I just want it to work so badly and it just doesn't. (laughs) This is one of those musicals like Moulin Rouge where it's just unapologetically what it is. It goes hard 100% of the time and you're either going to go along with it or you're just going to be like, nope, I'm out. (laughs) I kind of feel like I want to watch it again because I've only seen it once. Right. But I know the second I start watching it again, I'll be like, wait, why am I watching this again? <laughs> Andrew, that was the exact reaction I had when I watched this like 10 plus years ago. I finished it and I was like, I didn't like that, but I think I might have. And I immediately turned it back on again, like rewound it. Well, it turned the Blu-ray back to the beginning and was like, I need to watch this again because the highs are very, very, very high. And the lows are like with dinosaur bones. But... <laughs> Mr. DeWolf, I want you to tell me what the plot of this musical is, because I feel like I'm going to get some chuckles out of that. I I mean, there's just a lot going on. 
you got the the main character, which is the the girl who thinks she's sick. I don't. I, do these characters have names? Shiloh. Shiloh. Her name Shiloh. is Shiloh. What was the What's the father's name? Nathan. Um, Nathan. Nathan. Okay. So Shiloh is sick because her mother was sick, um, and she's not allowed to go out anywhere. And her father is a, a secret repo man, and he goes out into the street and murders people to take back their body parts that they got. Because this whole world is obsessed with surgery. I probably should have mentioned that first. Everyone in the entire world is obsessed with, with surgery that they don't need at all because it's just cool, I guess. Um, not that I couldn't see that happening. It's kind of a, kind of an interesting concept. Um, but for some reason, the father is like very secretive about being a repo man. He doesn't want his daughter to know. I guess probably because murdering is bad. Murder be um, bad, Andrew. But the the daughter gets like lured outside all the time by this guy who's like the grave robber or something. <laughs> yes, who um, doesn't have a point in the plot as far as I can tell. He's the he's narrator. He's chorus. like the MC character. <laughs> um, and then she also gets lured outside by the CEO of the company that basically runs the entire world, Gene Co who also is the company that repossesses everything and the company that does all the surgeries. And, and as far as I can tell... And, is and, like and the, you're forgetting that he was in love with Shiloh's mother and Nathan's wife. I'm getting to that, okay? I'm setting... <laughs> this plot is way too... This plot is more complex than I, This is why I be. knew it was going to be intense. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how to even lay this out because it you're doesn't sweating. make... You're sweating. You're like... <laughs> Because I, I kind of understood everything that happened, but it's, like, so ridiculous. Did, did we mention that this apparently this entire movie takes place over the course of a single evening? It does what? Yeah, if you pay attention, you know they're always saying that the big opera at the climax is going to be tonight. So, yeah, all of this stuff, you know, with uh, Shiloh, you know, getting in and out of the house all the time. You know, like, her dad's, like three times, three times I think her three dad's times. going out and killing people several times. Um, you know, they visit, like, this weird tent carnival that they call a renaissance fair but doesn't look anything like a renaissance fair and then she's in the great in the in hooker alley with a grave robber and um getting seeing people get shot up with this drug zydrate and it's this goes all over the place and it's see like, i don't think it's i don't think it's all one night though i think it's one day and it just the whole world just happens to not have still, a sun this is a lot to pack into 24 freaking hours this is like the first act of Rent where it's like, no way that happened all in one night. Are you insane? <laughs> like the whole the whole movie has this aesthetic to it where it's always nighttime. And like, it's dystopia. Like, it's grim and depressing. It, well, yeah. you can just say, Eddie, it's always whatever time you want it to be because we filmed indoors <laughs> on a set. Yeah. Um, so then the father character gets called to talk with the CEO character. And then the father quits because he's told that he has to repossess the blind person's eyes, who is now the spokesperson for the company. Am I wrong on this? No, is, you're is correct. That's... And we've got to add okay. that this part of this is because uh, the blind uh, blind mag, the spoke singer, is the, the friend of Nathan's dead wife, who was also who um, yeah. Roddy, the CEO, was also in love with, and who he secretly killed. It's there's all also connected. like there's also <laughs> we need uh, like three... we need like one of those crazy stalker boards with all the lines yeah. all over the place. <laughs> okay, and there's also three other characters that are like I don't even know if they're worth mentioning, but you have to. I feel like the the two brothers that are the C <laughs> the CEO's uh, sons and then their sister. Well, that's the um, lynch that's the linchpin of the plot, which I kind of feel yeah. I can't believe I just said that, but. 
the villain's motivation is that you got he's got Eric, this, you got Don Jr., then you yes, got Ivanka. We've got this corrupt CEO and his three worthless kids, two boys and a girl. Does that sound familiar? Um, but the point is, is that, you know, he's dying of plot convenience disease, basically. And he has, and, you know, he doesn't want to leave his company to his kids because they're freaking useless. So he's decided he's going to leave it all to Shiloh. Because she's, she's the daughter of the girl he loved and maybe possibly his own biological daughter. I don't know. That's where it gets confusing. Well, I mean, how else would he know that he, she doesn't have the blood disease? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, how did he know everywhere that? Nowhere. How like did he know that? How did he you know? <laughs> He's you got know, screens all over his office. Yeah. Apparently, Nathan um, to- gave, gave out the word that his daughter died with um, his wife. So a lot of people don't even know she exists. So... The more I try to make sense of this plot, the less it makes sense. It's operatic in the same way as Shakespeare. Like, you kind of just go with it in the same way, like, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it ends in the big the big genetic opera, Gene Co's opera, and, and everyone dies. <laughs> Except Shiloh. Except, Except Shiloh, Shiloh. finds out that um, she's not really sick after all. It was just a lie her dad told her to keep her weak and dependent on him. Which is honestly it's, a pretty decent twi- uh, twist ending, I think. But we get the we get the bad ending though, because then she doesn't accept the offer to take on the company and like dismantle it, and instead she lets the crazy brothers and sister take the company, which I'm ass- I'm assuming only makes the world a worse place to live in. Yeah, the ending it's like <laughs> okay, and then what? Andrew, it sets up for a sequel and a prequel that they 100 percent were sure they were gonna get. <laughs> If this means anything, it's definitely not a prequel. I, I mean, they they lay out everything in the first like five minutes in a comic book form. What yeah, do you and guys then they do it, and then they do it again by having the narrator tell you everything they told you yep. in the comic book. I think the comic book is the best part of the entire thing. And if they did the entire movie like that, I would have liked it more. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good device, but they also repeat everything they do in the comic books, like yes. the flashbacks and things like that. So it's like, okay, they don't really trust you to know what's going on in this movie. And after we just explained that, I don't think I blame them. Also, the entire all the visuals in this are awful, and I hate them. They look like crap. So it's very oversaturated. <laughs> Well, yeah, the general cinematography looks like Saw, which well, yeah, it looks like the worst aspects of Saw. Yes, and and they even do like the constant flashes to newspapers. Uh, like that is just like a constant thing, especially near the second half. I feel like they're just like, oh, all these things are happening. Which again, this is supposed to take place in one day. Why are there all these newspaper headings (laughs) about everything that's happening? I mean, Uh, they still got like (laughs) social media. It's just a newspaper form. Yeah, it's newspaper, newspaper Facebook. Now, I want to give the director some credit because I am a fan of his work and him as a director, Darren Lynn Bowsman. And this really was a labor of love between him, Terrence Dudek and Darren Smith um, and all of them coming together. And almost all the VFX was done pro bono just because the the VFX company loved the idea of the film and wanted to see it all come together. Um, Everything was done on a favor. Um, Like Paris Hilton brought in her entire wardrobe as well as many of the other extras every it kind of gave me vibes of like film school for me like everyone coming together to try to bring this all together and it kind of brings a tear to my eye that they didn't put work into the story (laughs) 
the, but the concept alone is amazing. Yes. The idea of a of a repo person coming to murder wasn't, you because wasn't there a non musical movie like about five or six years ago that was basically this exact concept? People have organs that they have to finance, and then if they can't pay them, some guy comes and kills them and repossesses the stuff. Yes, it was literally like a year and a half after this movie, and it was starred Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker, um, and it was called What's Repo Men. Repo Men? Yeah. Not to be confused with Repo Man, which was a movie in the 80s. Yeah, which isn't the same thing. I'm, I, I agree. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I think the concept is great, and all of the best scenes are when he's dressed as the Repo Man and ripping people's guts out. And that's kind of what I wanted the entire thing to be, but then they have all this crap with the daughter, and, like, I don't care but about you, that stuff. I, I, I think the daughter <laughs> stuff works. It's the other stuff. It's the comedy relief scenes, and the... Yeah, the, yeah. the two brothers are annoying as fuck. I'm sorry. Um, but you have... Well, yeah, but they have to be, because then yeah, otherwise they the plot are, doesn't but, make sense. you know, they're very, they're very one note. You have Luigi, who's basically the guy who will stab anyone at no provocation, and then you have Pavi, who is, you know, basically an Wearing oversexed ladies' man who, like, wears women's faces, on, skin on his faces. As you said, Eric Trump. <laughs> um... And then you have well, the daughter actually, Amber, who's Paris Hilton. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even really have to have those characters. You could have just had the CEO not have any kids, and then that's just it. Yeah, it, that probably would have been a little bit more of a streamlined way to do it. But let's not, like, we describe this story, and it feels like it should be, like, two and a half hours long. This is a, this is a fast 97 minutes. <laughs> this is a brisk film to watch. Yeah, well, they, they rushed through the plot. Yeah, they rush through a lot of things. Like I said, we don't really know, you know, we don't really know how Roddy knows who Shiloh is or why he's so interested in her. You know, there's kind of this hint that uh, Nathan has this split personality with the Repo Man, but it's never really explored. And I really wish they had done that because I really think um, Anthony Stewart Head is one of the best things about this movie. In fact, he was my first saving grace on Musical Hell. He's the person who I think elevates everything. And, you know, obviously, if you haven't heard him sing, he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, the split personality thing was something that he came up with on the set. It was not supported by the script. Like, if you actually read his lines, it is literally just a straightforward thing. But he's like, no, the Repo Man is a different person than Nathan. They walk different. They act different. They speak different. They sing different. And he's and they were like, All right, whatever, man. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, has he ever done Sweeney Todd? Because this is a very Sweeney Todd performance. He would have knocked Sweeney Todd out of the park. Imagine if they like made Sweeney Todd on a smaller budget, a little bit more realistic and grounded in Cassidy. Well, Anthony Stewart head is in Sweeney Todd. Yeah, he's in I it forgot. for like one second because they he... cut his part. <laughs> yeah, he was supposed to be one of the ghosts that show up and haunt Sweeney Todd throughout it. He was supposed to get a shave later and haunt Sweeney Todd. Yeah, that was back when they were actually going to do the ballad, which would have kicked ass because it would have had Christopher Lee in it. Yeah, I, I've read the script of how it was going to be. It wouldn't have worked, but I would have been happy to see it. Like these throat slit ghosts following Sweeney Todd around and forcing him to slit the throat of the next person. Like that was what they're I'm like, that that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> that wouldn't have been good. Yeah, I I don't think you can have Sweeney Todd, you know, um, manipulated by actual ghosts. I mean, it's his own crazy. That's what's driving him. Yeah, and I feel like it took the power away from Sweeney Todd. And also, like, seeing him seeing, well, what happens then? Well, who is to say? And I don't want you to give it away. Like, it, it's a weird line for a film. Um, well, I kind of want to talk very briefly about Paul Sorvino, who I think is also another saving grace of this movie. 
He's okay. Who is this? I mean, he's obviously enjoying his role. Oh, he loves it. Um, his his singing is, you know, it's not terrible. It, um, he is the basic tenor man. Yeah. Um, and he puts on this weird Italian accent for some reason in about half his songs. Is that is that not his actual accent? It's close to his actual accent. Because, <laughs> you know, he he's like the Goodfellas guy or the whatever Italian movie. But the only relation really I have to him outside of this and the Devil's Carnival and the Devil's Carnival 2 um, is a segment in Patti Lapone's biography <laughs> where Wait, what <laughs> he replaced Heim Topol in as the baker and the baker's wife um, halfway through like the worst like preview and like rehearsal process in the world. Like Topol was kicked off for like sexually assaulting women and which is fucked. And then he comes in and he's like super full of bravado and be like, come on guys, let's pipe up. Let's do better. And they're like, fuck you. You don't know what we've been through. Get out of here. <laughs> you all need to read uh, Patty Lapone's memoirs if you haven't yet, by the way. Yes, please. Um, it, it sums her up pretty well. I feel like that is a very unbiased portrayal of most things that happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sarah Brightman. I think, strangely, she is the most iconic part of this. Um, I don't know yes. if her screen presence is in like incredible, but she I is like it when she dies. I have a I have a theory that Sarah Brightman was hired about sixty percent for her voice and like forty percent for her eyes. Because she Nothing has else. big eyes and you know they are every every scene she's in, they have got like these huge ass eyelashes or like uh shadow for years um on them. They are really drawing attention to um her eyes and so yeah, but I thought she was wearing contacts or something. Well, she is. Those she's kind of like got. Eyes? Well, she's got like cyber <laughs> eyes, so she does have contacts in. But yeah, Free. they do everything they Show can Andrew. to draw attention to the fact that she has these weird, freaky eyes. Bree, pull up a picture of Sarah Brightman right now, so we can see what her real eyes look like. Because <laughs> I feel like that's super yeah. important. But and Sarah Brightman that her... has never been the best actress. Let's be honest with it. No, um, her death was amazing in this, though. It's. <laughs> It's a very fittingly operatic death, so. She pulls her eyes out. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Stabs herself in the eyes, watches the blood come out, and then yanks them out violently. It is absolutely yeah. and brutal. Then, and then Paul Tervino cuts, her, cuts um, her fly wires and she falls onto a, <laughs> a, a broad iron fence and dies. Yeah, in front of an audience that doesn't even, like, react. Yeah, They're the, just like, oh, my goodness. This is the ultimate all-part-of-the-show audience. You know, in the movies where, you know, some crazy shit is happening in the production and nobody does anything. It's like, oh, it's all part of the show. That's, you know, they just yeah. sit here through all this crazy shit that's happening. Two people, <laughs> you know, Sarah Brightman dies. Um, yeah, the repo man gets hamstringed. There's blood all over the place. And they're like, oh, cool. Popcorn. But the only thing the, they boo, the, the only thing they boo is when Paris Hilton's face falls off. <laughs> That's the only thing boo-worthy. That wasn't part of the show. <laughs> boo, get her off. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Two people just died. Oh, whatever. Yeah. It's so, all good. Now, so I'm thinking, I'm th now I'm thinking of the ending of Coco where you have like the big climax at the show and then at the very end you have the guy coming in with the churros. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I want that guy to be in this movie. Have you guys ever like watched that end scene and just looked at the people in the audience? Like you have the strangest story. This is what Sarah Brightman looks like in real life. Um, she's got insane eyes. Yeah. 
Sorry that took a minute. I was denied access for a <laughs> Denied. I was denied. I couldn't show you her. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, like her, her face is 80% eyes. I think she ruined her voice as she got older. I mean, it's not, yes. you know, you wouldn't put you wouldn't put her on the Met, but it's a pretty decent classic pop sound that she has, and it fits the songs they gave her pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, Paris Hilton, though, um, she's been in the news lately about like her her early aughts behavior and how it was all an act. Yeah, I kind of, you know, I went hard for her um, when I did a review of this, and I kind of feel bad about it now because it turns out that there was apparently a lot going on behind the scenes, kind of like Britney Spears. In fact, I think, you know, every, every you know, um, young pop star that we made fun of for being, you know, oversexed and kind of dumb, I think we need to apologize to because they were obviously being abu- abused at some point. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk very briefly about the stigma that the cast and crew had about her before she came on. And then after she came on, because she like did commentaries for this movie that this is like one of the most stacked Blu-rays of any like like musical film I ever have. There's like commentaries on every deleted scene. There's two commentaries on the movie. There's like behind the scenes features going all the way back to like how they wrote the musical. Like it is a great Blu-ray. Um, and it's shocking that they don't make good behind the scenes, but she was doing commentaries and she comes off very smart. She comes off as very aware of filmmaking and just down. She doesn't feel dumb. And then on every commentary, they're like, no, Paris is like, like one of the coolest people we've ever met. And she's like down for everything. Like the stigma does not live up to who she is. And we don't quite know where that came from, but we were super against having well, her on came, until we met came her from the people who thought that she could make a lot of money as the stupid rich girl. Exactly. It was uh, branding. Um, And I think she does well in this role. Like, and she does a lot of things that make it work for her, if that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Is there anyone else we want to talk about in this? Um, I don't know. I, yeah. We talk about the cartoon sound effects during the gore. Oh, geez. The heck was that about? (laughs) Yeah. There's like the scene where the two brothers are arguing and they're throwing around like brains and body parts and stuff. And you're hearing this whoop, boing. And it's like. I've never been a fan of stupid cartoon sound effects in live action movies. And it's like, okay, I'm done. Someone didn't <laughs> Look, like if, Inspector if you Gadget. Made, <laughs> if you're making well, like no, frames Roger Rabbit, then you can do it. Yeah. If you're making Roger Rabbit. Well, ahead, yeah, but that's like, Roger Rabbit. If you're making uh, the musical version of Saw, you <laughs> probably don't do it. Yeah, but it kind of works in some scenes. Like no. I think they work a no. little bit in the thankless job scene. No. No, the the thing that works in that's Thankless actually the scene I was thinking about the most when I was thinking it didn't. No, I work. actually like that he does the ventriloquist <laughs> with the corpse. Yeah, I that's, think that's, that's fine. That's like weird but and like, demented, and exactly what this movie needed to be. But when he pulls out the intestines and it's like, whoop, 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 yeah, bang, <laughs> like that's just dumb. <laughs> okay. I am I'm unf- I am not a fan of Alexa Vega in this movie. I mean, she's not given much to do is kind of the thing. Like well, no, what she is given, she's not the worst at. I can see a lot of people yeah, doing worse. Yeah, but she's not the best singer. And the problem is, is that this score is actually a lot harder than you might think it is. There's a lot of dissonance. There's atonal stuff. There's, um, you know, a lot of difficult intervals going on. And when you have somebody who knows what they're doing, like Anthony Stewart Head or um, Sarah Brightman or Terrence Dudunich, um, you know, when they're singing, it sounds fine. But when she's singing, it sounds like a mistake. I, yeah, that's fair. Um, like in her first song, you know, it's I am infected. And it's like, what are you doing? 
And it's like, I know it's written that way, but at the same time, it's like, it doesn't sound like it's written that way, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Who would you choose, like, in 2080 times, um, who would you pick to be the perfect Shiloh 2008? Oh, jeez. I don't know if I would. I mean, the only person who's coming to mind is Leah Michelle, and I hate her. Ooh, my first thought was Sarah Michelle Gellar because I feel like that would be like getting that TV crowd that, that like, might, and she could probably yeah, get it. Might have been work. okay. Or um, geez, oh, who was the girl who played Tara? She actually has a pretty decent voice. Oh shoot, I don't remember her um, name. But Amber I know Tamblin, exactly I think, about. is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, she yeah, or even. I, I agree with you to some points, but when it is working, I think she pulls off the teenage aspect, like 17, 17 as ridiculous you know that, as that song that is. Wor- that's a much better fit for her voice. And I think the last song, um, which kind of has this uh, Alanis Morissette jagged little pill quality, I think she sounds better on that. I don't think she's good at performing in song because she did do Broadway before this mm-hmm. briefly. She was a replacement as Penny in Hairspray um, before this. And so she play, basically plays the same way she played that, which is screaming uh, directly middle center to the camera. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what that role called for. But I, I see what you mean, but there there are worse players here. Bill Mosley. I uh, love him to yeah, death. Yeah, <laughs> um, that, that's pretty bad. <laughs> um, and that, who, which one was he? Was he Luigi? I think he's Luigi. Yeah, he he's not great, um, but sometimes it works really well. His voice is funny to me, like... When he's like screaming, kill him in the audience in the end, I can't help but laugh. And I love these horror like people just being in this weird musical. It is the dissonance of everything I was into in 2008, to be honest, like all these like B movie horror people. Like at one point, George Romero was supposed to have a cameo as like the reverend in it. Like there's a lot of weird shit in the background. And I Joan love Jett it. has a cameo. She's the guitar player in 17. Yes. She's Joan Jett as Joan Jett. I love that when she like passes out and like has these fantasies of everything that's happened in the movie, you get a shot of Joan Jett. Because <laughs> fuck it, why not? Um, but now, 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 now that we've talked about all this for around 30 minutes, it's time for our wonderful favorite segment and Bree's 100% favorite segment of the show, Previews, where we compare our opinions to the opinions of New York theater critics and for this one, film critics. Um, Kyle Smith of the New York Post concluded there probably aren't enough futuristic goth rock musicals, but Repo, the genetic opera, is weak on a couple of things a musical needs. Music and lyrics. Woof. <laughs> bring, in, bring in your top notch there, Kyle. <laughs> Mark Olson of the LA Times says, The film is bad. Not good bad, tacky bad, or fun bad. Just plain awful and nearly unwatchable. Nathan Lee for the New York Times declared the film feels destined to please a campy coterie. Coterie? Coterie. It's Coterie. a fancy, fancy term. For it's the New York Times. Like They're going to use those words. People, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of fans and no one else and criticized the music, saying a few catchy melodies, some clever lyrics or even a sense that the score wasn't just one long, unmodulated track might have energized this singular inert tale. 
Tasha Robinson for the AV Club said, One of the main issues with Repo the Genetic Opera is that nearly every aspect of it goes on too long. The songs are generally overextended, which is a particular problem given that most of them are also atonal and dull, either chanted or seemingly assembled from a series of clunky, ill-fitting, barely rhyming lines. And ultimately, I spent the vast majority of the film either bored or squirming with discomfort over the cheap gore, the arrhythmic songs, and the phenomenally bombasted performances. Bring, bring, in your, bring in the best thoughts, folks. Yes. Jay Hoberman of The Village Voice says, The grim final- finality of the ensuing... Get ready for these weird words. I picked this one specifically because it had stupid... Like, like, so I could mess up the words. words. Yes. Ensuing... Pieta. Is it Pieta? Pieta. Okay. Pieta, yeah. It's basically, Pieta. it's basically the image of Mary holding the dead Jesus. Okay. Um, suggests the last act of Hamlet, or rather Hamlet 2, so embarrassing that for the first time I wanted to avert my eyes from the screen, although that might have also been because Repo appears to have been shot with a cell phone. <laughs> and this was in 2008, so that was a real um, insult. It does look like shit, though. <laughs> it sucks. It's... You know what? I'll suggest it to Jacob. He loves garbage. <laughs> I love garbage. You know, it's it's kind I do of like garbage, it's kind but... of dumb to say that something wasn't made for the critics, but you know, this mm-hmm. was a movie that was definitely not made for the critics. Well, they, not they, even they... a single one gave the benefit of the doubt that maybe it was intentionally this way. Yeah. They they knew what they were doing and they knew um that a lot of people weren't going to like it and they did it anyway. I feel like critics are never nice to horror films of any kind. Um, no, uh, not unless in, they can, like, you know, have some kind of, you know, social commentary out. to throw in there. Yeah, you got your get outs or, you know, whatever. Um, so what was the one um, with the bride, uh, Ready or Not? Oh, I love that one. Yeah, that movie. Or maybe so good. if the if the horror movie is like over thirty years old, and then they can finally go back and be like, Yeah, this one's good. Candyman's good now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or if it's by Guillermo del, del Toro, and it can be all arty and stuff. Yeah, you can fuck a fish. You know, <laughs> now Crimson this, Peak. That's like you know serious that is my, goth vibes. That is like my I favorite know, I feel Halloween like, movie. I feel like those type of movies, though, they if it's like a good horror movie, they don't call it that. They call it a thriller. Yeah. Yeah, this one's not a horror movie. This one's a thriller. Yeah. That's why it's a good. Psychological <laughs> film. So is this is this a horror? Is this a horror musical or a thriller musical? This is a horror musical. Oh, yeah. This is like a gore fest musical. Um, And I've I've said before, horror is really hard to do as a musical, but this is better than some attempts. So, oh, me and Andrew are doing next week is another attempt at a horror musical that I think fails very, very hard. I was I was shaking in my boots, my man. Because Frank Wildhorn (laughs) always makes you shake in your boots. (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> um, but I, I really don't know if I agree with any of the critics. Like, uh, like I don't even get where they're coming from most of the time. It's like atonal. No, there's like very variety here. Like, there's an entire song done in Italian. There's variety. It's not yeah, just the same I mean, song you know, you over have, and over. Um, Sarah Brightman's stuff is a lot more melodic. Um, and as you're right. Her um, big climactic thing is obviously very um, Italian romantic. Um, you know, you have like, uh, 17 is very punk rock. Um, and let's see, then 
There's a lot of stuff going on in here, and the and it is atonal, but it's very de- it's deliberate. I mean, it's well, maybe maybe what we should do is uh, hit the mid show, and we can come back and do the music like we usually do. <laughs> you're, right, do you think, you're right. You're right. You're right. Sounds like we're about to get into that. Yeah, let's put that, <laughs> put a pin in that. We're gonna put take a pin that in pin, that. Put it there, <laughs> yeah, and so we're gonna, gonna put that on the back burner. <laughs> And we're going to talk about people giving us money. All right, let's go into a mid show. <laughs> All right. Andrew, tell us a little bit about Patreon and who's supporting us. Well, Patreon is where you can go if you'd like to give us money and get some perks with uh, extra content. Perk, we give, perk, perk, com- perk, perk. We do commentaries. We're doing the, the Fosse Verdon podcast now. Which actually might I think be we almost be over. Done. We have we've been saying that for like nine weeks that it's almost over. It's never ending, Andrew. It's almost over. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I guess what you can request musicals and stuff like that, and we have all sorts of stuff you can do. Yeah, you can get requests from us, or uh, but if you pay a certain amount, you could be a host with us and talk with us. Oh man, I can't wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, who's supporting us on Patreon? Um, we have Melissa Goldman, Terry Needleman, John Donna, Max Lunig, Benjamin Lear, Lily Ackles, Peasant Chick. That's a new one. Who's that? I think it's an old Patreon patron who changed their name. All right. Jess the Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Taskier, Fire of September, Monica Thoreau, Mina Maniri, Brent Black, Haley Murray, Alice in Wonderland, B-Way Flicks, Lathaniel Stacy Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Carrie Ahern, Irigail Drouet Whiter, Christine Malmedel, Cole Birchfield, Mary Lou Choquette, John Vanals, Holy Stacality, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, who is actually here with us right She's now. She's here. We have a patron. <laughs> she didn't pay the money. We just like her. We just like her. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Andrew Van Barson, <laughs> Emily Stack, Tablam, Kyle Summers, Janae C, Kyle, uh, Jess A, Skyler, Liz Lim, Corey Wilmarth, Allison Stuller, Nothing is certain except Beth and Taxes, Elizabeth, John Vanals, Thespian, Ren Cullen, Alex, Jamie Holland, Wait in the Wings, Lady Malvolia, Spectacle Machine, Will Laurie, Jacob Stroop, and, uh, oh man, Rafael Martinez Salas. That's it. They all give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. Um, if you'd like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks, such as what Andrew's listed, come join us. And also, while we're in the mid-show, I do want to give a shout-out to someone who wrote, like, this really incredible email to us. This is the second really nice email they've sent us. Um, her name is Rebecca Nelson. And the first one she wrote us was about, like, lesbian interpretation of our fun home episode, and it was really sweet. This one has to be, like, at least seven pages on how she would adapt Legally Blonde into a movie and I think it's wonderful like she takes all the crit- critiques we put into the show and like her own critiques and like I think it's like one of the best emails ever and I wanted to just shout her out My real goodness. quick and and the one other thing is we have merch. the merch store which is on our website you, I think it's just a link that says merch uh, and if you look in the bio it. here um, just click the merch link and you can buy it um, we got a bunch of new um, stuff coming up there soon I'm not sure if it'll be up yet but we we got some cool funny stuff yeah there's there actually too. a lot of a lot of stuff coming up so yeah check so, it out yeah all right let's get back to the show that was way too long <laughs> All right, let's talk about 21st Century Cure, which is the fake opening number. <laughs> Why is it fake? 
Because Genetic <laughs> Repo Man is basically the, a redundant song that's cool. Like, okay. the, you tell us all about the Repo Man after telling us um, a pre- prologue all about the Repo Man. Yeah. Um, it sounds cool. It looks cool. It's a cool scene. We don't need it. <laughs> and you can finance your bones and your kidneys forever. Market a submarket grows. But best to be punctual with making your payments. Less to be you on the concrete below. It's quick. I'm a huge mystery science theater 3000 fan, so it's like, la la la. (laughs) But anyway, um, yeah, they have that prologue, and then you have this prologue with the grave robber that tells you everything that you've just seen in the comic strip opening. But it's so cool. He, like, stalks a girl and cuts out her heart. It's so goofy. I love it. And actually, this is, you know, this is kind of, this is actually a pretty good scene. They actually could have opened with this, and I think it would have worked very well. Well, here I'm giving the fun facts. The, the the movie did open with this and then they added the genetic repo man scene and then they added the then they restructured and added Roddy's scene where he finds out he's dying right before that. So there's a lot of restructuring in editing. Uh, it kind of shows. I mean, no, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with you. 21st Century Cure is an actual opening number and it feels like an opening number and you get like this character in this awkward situation and learning uh, all the stuff that we need to learn as well mm-hmm. through, from this like great having, robber. I feel like having a ridiculous amount of exposition for this is, is not a bad thing, though, because I don't think I would have gotten it. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> the, the exposition is uneven. There, You're not seeing yes. things that have been restated like three times over. You're, you're in the middle of a scene and you're like, wait, what? What's going on now? <laughs> But, but yeah, is, this, love... this is the this is the scene where they're like trying to hide from the police that are going to kill the grave robbers, and then he just kind of like does this death metal scream right in the middle of the graveyard. It, it's fucking great and ridiculous. It <laughs> makes no sense, but I, I love really it. wish the grave robbers had more of a purpose. It just really feels like they show up at the beginning to do the narration, and then they show up in the middle to do explain nothing. drugs. Yeah. yeah, explain drugs this... that don't even really come in later on. Like, yeah, it's not this even is an important ca- this thing. is a subplot that um, <laughs> I'm not sure what the purpose is. Um, they have this painkiller Zydrate that a lot of people are hooked on because everybody's getting surgery now. But apparently, there's like a lower quality version that you can get, like I guess, out of injecting, like uh, getting this neon blue stuff out of dead people's brains. Well, what I thought it was is that the people would die 
during the surgery and then they would extract the drug from their blood off their corpse. That was what my thought was, but I guess no, maybe no. that's not what it is. It's a, a human element we have in here. And I can tell you exactly why the Zydrate plot is in here, if you guys care. Okay, lay it on me. Um, It was supposed to be a bait and switch. Um where when Shiloh goes to the opera and she's like in that backstage area, um, she was supposed to go through a couple trials and it was supposed to imply that the cure, her cure was Zydrate. So she had to take the Zydrate out of her mom's corpse with the grave robber who is like guiding her through it. And then it all was supposed to build and build and build until we found out she wasn't sick. Okay. So instead of just I coming don't think right I, out I shouldn't need it. supplemental materials to understand what the fuck is going on in this movie. That was from the three-hour edit, which the director's cut, as the director said. Can we said. get the three-hour edit? Where is that? <laughs> He's been dying to release it, is the thing. Release like, he, a director's cut. <laughs> honestly, I want a director's cut of this movie, because it's like, apparently, like, almost two hours were cut out of this. And I feel like that would have explained imagine. a lot. I can't imagine it would make the movie any better. <laughs> I don't think better. I do not think better. I think it would be. It would be Avengers this, this Endgame. This movie would be, I think, too much at three hours because it is very over the top and very uh, 100% extra. There's already stuff in this that you could cut out, <laughs> and it's only yes, 90 minutes. <laughs> 21st Century Kira. I think it's great. I, I The one effect that I think kind of works in a goofy like way is the p- pounds and miles of bodies that they go into from just the wall they break. <laughs> I think that is like disgustingly effective imagery for this yeah. story. And the grave and the graveyard robber's like, oh, cool, because he's like sitting on the sidrate jackpot. <laughs> he's like, yes, I did it. Finally. Yeah. So like, is it implied in the world that there are more deaths happening because of the repo man or because surgery, like I, surgery failures. I, or, or, I, I, I got think the repo impression man. that, um, well, the backstory is that there was this huge epidemic of organ failures for some reason or another. And, you know, millions died. And that's where Gene Co came in and gave everybody all their organ replacements and saved everybody. But I think, you know, what I was, the impression I was getting was that the city was like built on all the corpses from this apocalypse oh okay madame all right we gotta talk about the i want song if you can call it that infected i'm infected by your genetics what Is this the one where she just like, I hate my mommy? Yeah. She gave me my bad blood. My mom made me sick and my dad's keeping me in my room and I'm so miserable. I'm an emo teenager. Mother, can yeah. you hear me? Thanks for the disease. That is literally a lyric. 
people. Yeah, I, I don't like this one. I also it's don't. I don't so like terribly this one too. or the seventeen one. I don't like either one of those. Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> it it is kind of shot badly, which is a shame because I think there's some really cool stuff going on in Shiloh's room. You know, she's yes. kind of got they kind of got this you know gilded cage thing going on. She's got stuffed animals. She's got um, posters of Blind Meg. Um, she's got this magnificent bed with her oxygen tent on it and. A piano. She and got all bugs all over the place. Like she, she's a real bug head, which yeah, I also kind like of like as a character bugs, trait. Which is, you know, kind of, you know, kind of her, cre- her, you know, creepy fun girl side. But at the same time, it ties into the whole, you know, being, you know, collected and stuck in a jar or on a shelf somewhere. What is up with the picture of her mom? Is that of her mom? It is of her mom, and it's like all over the place in their house. They've got like these weird, you know, semi holographic. Um, images of her mom and I guess there's something behind a um, you know behind a window in the hallway and I'm not sure if it's like you know that's a her, that's her, or mom's her body. actual mom's that's her actual mom's body yes okay, because then. later they were supposed to find it and she was supposed to extract the zydrate from it okay, and use yeah, it as the because cure there's like a shot later on where the where it's smashed and like the dress and the you know body's gone because apparently Roddy wanted her to wear that dress it, Which is another level weird. of gross. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, yeah, I have no idea. There are some just strange things happening. We should also note, we should also note that the mom's name is Marnie, which is a nod to you know the famous uh, Hollywood ghost singer Marnie Nixon, which I think is pretty cool. I agree. Um, I do want to talk about how. Well, one last thing about Infected. Um, it's an I Want song where we don't get the. Clear, clear idea of what she is asking for until the final line of the song where she's like oh i want to go outside yeah and that's it one took of those us four never heard that one before that's where it's one of those parts where it's you know kind of deliberately dissonant but at the same time it sounds like is she singing that right <laughs> <laughs> why would she want to go outside in this nightmare world <laughs> Yeah, like look out the window. Yeah, Do you really I mean, be out like, there? it's like dark and grim and creepy, and there are you know like drug corpses dealers everywhere. And corpses everywhere, and, <laughs> but you've also got like, like these people in weird, funky costumes too. So yeah, I guess. it's kind of like I the Capitol. It's kind of like if the Capitol in the Hunger Games went ultra goth. Yeah, um, let's talk positively for a second. What do we think of Legal Assassin? Years roll by without you, money. Seventeen have come and gone I raised our shadow with the best intentions There is something I can't tell her And I am lost without you here Nathan's opening number and it's mm-hmm. real it's a really good uh, character establishing moment because you know he's it explains you know why he's overprotective of his daughter you know he misses his wife 
Um, but at the same time, he's got this dark side as well. And it basically summarizes the whole character very well. And like I said, Anthony Stewart has the best thing about this movie. So mm-hmm. um, it actually feels like a song where I agree with some of the thoughts that this none of these songs really feel like songs where this has like clear points. I think that musically it works very well. Lyrically, it it, it feels like an insane person like Shiloh can never <laughs> leave. She is my everything. Nothing yeah. will bring you back. <laughs> yeah, that is the order like shifts, of thoughts yeah and then it like shifts into this melodic years go by without you marnie dada something something 17 have come and gone and so yeah, there's shallow with the best intentions yeah, and there's obviously a lot going on in this guy's head and him slowly becoming the repo man at the end yeah. is like pretty cool and i'm glad they didn't like try to frame that as a twist which from the trailers felt like like oh we all know what the twist is but oh no we find out like five minutes in we're good mm-hmm. andrew yeah <laughs> you out? what's up <laughs> anyway i was gonna ask your opinion on this song but you you, you just didn't follow me there <laughs> um I don't know. I feel like this one's fine, but I really like it more when he's actually killing people. Like, Thankless well, Job is more fun. <laughs> let's talk about Thankless Job, then. Um, yeah, that's, there's nothing in between. That, let's go there. <laughs> Not really. I mean, Well, there's Mark I It think... Up, but it's a really awful song, so... We don't need to talk about that one. <laughs> this That doesn't exist. Yeah. Let's forget about it. You'll be happier, trust me. Okay, Thankless Job. No one ever thanks me when I'm done how self-absorbed anymore can be With a slice or a snip Eeny, meeny, miny, moe With a cut and a stitch Returning organs as new This was like goofy, but he's murdering people, so it's like it's funny. very black humor, and it is yeah. you know fun. He's talking about how nobody appreciates the job that he does while he's got this terrified guy tied up and he's ripping his guts out. And yes, well, at the it, end, it, he like sticks his hand up it, up the guy's um, chest cavity and you know plays ventriloquist dummy for a bit. It's it's funny though. It's just like. You know, why would anyone thank you for this job? You're literally no, well, just going out on the street and murdering people. Well, yeah, people. That's, like, the, that's the joke, of course. <laughs> Man. My, my question is, what is the day-to-day job of a grave or, or of a repo man? Because some days he's acting like Batman, grabbing people and flipping them upside down. And then other days he's just got a guy in his basement. <laughs> Well, I assume it depends on whether or not they've been caught already. Like, it seems like he's part bounty hunter and part surgeon. Yeah. Uh, And I'm not, you know, his cover is that he's, his cover to his daughter is that he's a doctor. I don't know if he actually, you know, has this day job practice that as a front or, you know, if that's just what he's telling her. So. Also, the name Night Surgeon is like way more badass than Repo Man. (laughs) They should just kind of use that. Um, yeah, um, Night I agree. Would be a great band name. It's like it's that's like kick ass. Why <laughs> I'm thinking they not like eighties hair metal. You know, you have a cover with like this, you know, big haired girl in a, you know, sexy nurse outfit with a huge ass um, needle or something. 
I mean, you got a marketing problem here, you know? <laughs> Repo the Genetic Opera? Cut that shit. Just call it Night Surgeon and the put genetic the Repo opera. Man on the What cover. is a genetic opera anyway? I'm not, I'm still unclear on that. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a pun on generic opera? I don't think Maybe? so. I, I don't know. I think that they would just, they just thought it sounded cool. That feels about right. Um, let's talk about probably the most iconic song in this show, um, Zydrate Anatomy. A uh, uh, nursery rhyme about doing drugs. I love it. <laughs> Grave robber, Grave robber. Sometimes I wonder why I even bother. Grave robber, Grave robber. Sometimes I wonder why I need you at all. And Amber Sweet is addicted to the nuts. Addicted to the knife? And addicted to the knife, she needs a little help with the agony. And a little help comes in a little glass vial and a gun pressed against her anatomy. And when the gun goes off, Miss Sweet is ready for surgery. Surgery. This is like the this most... is the most iconic song in the whole show. Well, this really? it's the call and response. I mean, you know, this is one of those things. It's like the dance magic dance thing in Labyrinth. You start it off in the internet, and somebody's going to come back with it. Exactly. Cydric comes in a little glass vial, and a little paint. glass vial, a little glass vial, <laughs> and a little glass vial goes to the gun like a battery. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Come I hated on. this one. You stupid. stuck, Andrew. It's <laughs> it is stupid. It's stupid, but it's, it's catchy really and fun. And this is, you know, it's actually plot relevant because this is where we find out that um, Mag is going to, you know, lose her eyes and get killed if she if she um, leaves her job at the opera at the um, Gene Co. Yeah. It, and in the magazine, he's got Mag looks like fucking Michael Jackson. It does not look <laughs> like Sarah Brightman. And if it is, it's Sarah Brightman after a night of heavy drinking. <laughs> So why? But like why all does, the picture, uh, all the pictures in this are like weird and oversaturated and um, stylized. So it's really hard to tell what the heck's going on. <laughs> what were you saying, Andrew? So so why does why does Amber have to come to these like black market Zydrate dealers when she is like the daughter of the owner of the company that makes the real one? Why not just you know? Probably because get it. her dad won't give it to her. I don't know either that or you know it's the rich kid slumming. Well, I, f- I thought it was Disgusting. like she was like because <laughs> in the opening scene it looked like she was caught with it and then she had to like stay on the down low and she started the support network. And so now she's stuck. She has to go get it from the grave robber now. Because yeah, she can't but there's, get it a, there's this thing, ways. you know, they tell us that Amber is addicted to surgery and that, you know, every time, you know, she's always, you know, getting stuff changed about her face and her look and stuff. But every time you see her, it's just Paris Hilton in a different wig. If anything, <laughs> that other guy has like, he has like a permanent face thing clipped to him. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Pavi's got like his, you know, little face, ma- you know, literal face mask going on. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that was like, you know, a budget thing where they couldn't, you know, do as much as they wanted to with that character. But it's like, yeah, she doesn't really look like you would what you'd think somebody who's been through a dozen different surgeries looks like. They look more like Tammy Faye, don't they? Yeah. You know, you got the people like, eh. <laughs> and you got or people like that t- look like they had a thousand surgeries in like the background. Yeah. Or like the la- or like the lady in Brazil whose face is like all, you know. Oh, God. Oh, that gave me nightmares as a kid. I think it's terrifying looking. Um, But Zydra Anatomy, Andrew hates it. Me and Christy see the fun in it because Andrew hates fun on he claims (laughs) to love cheese. But as soon as something cheesy happens, 
<laughs> this isn't cheese. This is uh, this is dumb. All right. <laughs> can we talk about? Does anyone have anything to say about Night Surge, or can I skip it? I just like the title. That's about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's the. I'm sorry. The titles of this are confusing. That's the one where he, they tell him that he has to kill um, Meg, right? and he like, yeah, and, and they like go throw him into a set literally made of like paper bags on the walls. Yeah, it's like plastic sheeting, and yeah, they have a warm up victim for him and everything, and he just says, "No, I'm not doing this." Except for he still kills the warm up victim. Well, yeah. I mean, he didn't. He didn't like have a wife that was best friends with that guy. Well, of well, course, yeah. You yeah. I mean... gotta have standards. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but if you don't personally know them, it's fine to murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I do want to talk about Chase the Morning, which I think is like a very high point in this, like the highest songwriting point. It is equivalent to Light My Candle from Rent of storytelling that is both a song, gets a lot of plot across, gets character across in such a short amount of time. I think the song is perfection. Um, not the best lyrics in the world, but it works. Um, you know, it's a dialogue between uh, Meg and Shiloh um, finding out, you know, uh, Meg, Meg was supposed to be her godmother. And then, you know, she's trying to tell her, you know, don't make the stake, make same mistakes I did, live your life, you know, kind of that gener- generic inspiration stuff. But the neat thing is the hook is actually Meg's got this recording of Marnie singing on her eyes and she does projects a hologram of it. And it's, you know, actually a pretty cool moment visually. Yeah. Why why did she go there at that time though? Like plot wise. I mean I don't know. <laughs> I think she was just That's done what singing. I was that's what I was trying to figure out. I like think, why you know, I I think I think Meg kinda has this impression that, you know, she's not gonna live through the night one way or the other. So the most um, so important thing is to talk her, to Shiloh. Well, well, she's kind of making her amends um, and trying to make her peace with that. No chance for peace. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, um, but also, you know, Sh- uh, Shiloh sneaks out and Roddy introduces her to Meg. And so Meg sees her and then she like wants to go back and talk to her, I think. Was there something I missed, though? Why did they want to kill Meg? Was it just she didn't pay her pay her bills? That was they, it? Want, they didn't want to kill her because um, basically she was their shill and she didn't want to do it anymore. And her contract said that she had to keep doing it as payment for um, her surgery. So that was effectively, de- effectively defaulting. Okay. So they, they created a contract where she literally had to work for the rest of her life. Essentially, yes. Because this is a dystopia and there is there are no human rights. Mm-hmm. Apparently not. I want to talk about a few lyrical things in this that I feel um, stand out in a way that they don't in other songs. This has the Santimian idea of 
clarification, which I love in Sondheim's work, where they'll say one thing and be like, wait, no, I mean this, where here it'll be like, state your business. Business, what do you want? I want, like, I, that is where it kind of feels like, you don't need that, but it makes it feel a little bit more lived in, a little more alive, and it mel melodically works. And you don't get that much in here because they're often just writing cool-sounding songs. Yeah, um, all right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's not much to talk about, unless we want to talk about gold chromagia at the opera tonight. Like, we gotta hey, talk we about at the opera tonight. All right, I mean, I at live, the opera tonight. I'm sorry, I live for this trope. I this is the we're all going to the big climactic event, so we're all gonna sing about what we're doing and what we want out of it at the same time, and we're all gonna do it together, and it's going to be awesome. A weekend in the country. Da, 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 yeah, it's weekend da, 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 da. in the country. It's nonstop. It's tonight. It's one day one more. Day more. You know, I'm I'm sorry. That is my, that's my heroine as a music theater nerd. You know, and inject that shit into my veins. <laughs> that's her kink. Her secret kink is the quadruplet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no acts though. It's a movie. Um, I think this song is great. Um, I'm very glad that they have uh, uh, Mag's part in there, which kind of frames like what she's going to do in the second half yeah. or in the last third of this. Yeah, I think that's where you kind of get the impression that, you know, she's, you know, made her peace with, you know, the fact that she's going to die and she's going to go out on her own terms. So fun fact, she was not originally in that song um, in the first edit, and they had to like pay like a bunch of money to get Sarah Brightman in for that one like line where she's like, I've made my peace, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Originally, it was just like Nathan saying, no chance for peace and like all that. Well, the, so they the, last um, minute wrote that, they that did, other because part. Because then you got this kind of neat little call and response going on between them, and it works mm -hmm. much better. I think it's great. Um, uh, the only thing I don't know if I love is just, you know everyone getting involved you know we could have like not seen we what could, pavi and luigi yeah, were up we to got, we could have pavi and without, luigi aren't even characters yeah we like, could have done without the, the kids again man don and eric just gotta put their <laughs> put their ass in everything don't they <laughs> no i love that song i agree you're right we had to talk about that but we're all over an hour so let's end on i didn't know i loved you so much uh, yes sometimes i wanted to cry when the A surprisingly moving song for this um for, for the, what we've just gone through i mean you know it's nathan dying and saying goodbye to his daughter and you know them reconciling and it's 
actually a very moving moment, you know, especially, you know, where he says, Shy, your mom is calling me. And it's, it's, it's just like this beautiful, sad moment there in the midst of all this insane, over-the-top gore. And I think that's actually, you know, what makes this work for me better than it might have is that it actually does have a moment or two where it pulls back and says, okay, we're going to be honest and emotionally real now. Mm -hmm. Especially like when we've seen them literally do nothing but fight. Like they don't have one really nice moment until that and that it hits harder because of that. Yeah. Because their relationships aren't perfect. Because a lot of times when you have this overly maudlin song in a musical it's like these relationships that were great the mufasa and simba oh they had a good relationship and oh it's sad that he's gone here it's like our relationship was so fucked up and you lied to me and i lied to you and we yeah. didn't get along and especially still since love you know you, literally the last thing she says to him before this scene um is you know dad i hate you go and die yep Oof. and then he did <laughs> At the hands of his, the, the the man he cooked. So <laughs> I feel like. Well, uh, that's, the, you know, that's the dramatic opera part of it. And then, you know, Paul Servi- uh, Roddy dies right after that because the plot convenience disease kicks in. I feel like the actual ending kind of ruins this moment a little bit just because it's just it just cuts from this to the grave robber just going, oh, everything's still terrible, though. So, haha. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's it's a very, um, um, at best, ambiguous ending. Um, like I said, it's one of those things where you finish up and it's like, okay, huh, and then yeah, what? Amber, Amber takes over the, uh, Amber takes Amber over takes the company over the with company. her two insane brothers. Yeah, and, and she promises to make the company yeah, better. Yeah, pinky, <laughs> pinky swear. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's kind of a, there's almost kind of a knives out thing between the three kids at the end. Because, you know, they've been bickering this entire movie. But, you know, when it's their, st- when it... When it's their stuff, you know, being challenged, they kind of join ranks. All right, guys, I think that's all we have to say about that. Um, we got to wrap this up. Um, so, Christy, what is your overall thoughts on Repo the Genetic Opera and your cheese rating? My thoughts are this is, uh, again, I think I'm going to say what I said in my episode, which is that's neither as bad as it might have been nor as awesome as it wants to be. Um, it has its audience and it's going for it. And I really respect when a movie can go this hard and be as, you know, have no, um, you know, have no reservations about what it wants to be and do and fuck what anybody thinks about it. So I really respect that. It's got some great moments and I know there are people out there who love it. So I am going to say that this is goat cheese. (laughs) <laughs> goat cheese has a very strong distinctive taste and if you if it's not your thing you are going to hate it you know if it you're if you're not sure you're going to taste it and you're going to be like uh, I'm not sure what to make of it and if it's your thing you are just going to you know down that like it's down that like popcorn yeah I, I i agree with that to a certain point but also like if you're in the mood for goat cheese my god <laughs> um andrew your turn um well, I'm very conflicted on this one because I, I almost want to like it and say that it was great and you should watch it, but I really can't in good faith do that because I don't think I liked it that much. Um, I love gore and I love horror and I love the goofy songs and it, it just doesn't work though. It feels like a it feels like the worst Saw movie that's ever come out, but with music added in. Um, you haven't seen the Saw movies. This is much better than a lot of those. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably you're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, but it, it looks like a Saw movie in like all the bad ways. 
in like I don't know. It looks like a it looks like a two thousands horror movie, which just they didn't they weren't good. <laughs> um, and I guess I'm gonna give it uh from cheese.com of course abundance cheese, which is a, a French cheese, and I just like the name, and I feel like that kind of fits. That's fair. That's a good answer. Um, our our queen of the cheese, Juliet Antonio. Um, write that down and be sure to shame Andrew for not be putting more work into it. Brianna, what did you think of our discussion? What is your cheese rating for what we had to say? Um, so I would say that um, there was catty and crass, oh, and <laughs> and um, so much. And Christy <laughs> was here to sprinkle in some positivity. Um, That's not something I normally yeah. do. <laughs> um, but for my cheese rating, I'm going to give you a gorgonzola for all the gore you mentioned. <laughs> um, Just another like strong tasting right cheese that is not to everybody's <laughs> taste I might add. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Jess, it's your turn. It's my turn. All right, all right. I don't all think right. you're that catty and crass, guys. <laughs> yeah, we um, tried. become we 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 are owning it because that is what um someone's publicist referred to us in an angry email once. <laughs> and that publicist has watched every that's episode so far. That's too. a pill quote for you, catty and crass. I love it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I kind of love this movie. Um, I'm very glad that it exists. And there's no other time period that something could come out like this, aside from the pre-Iron Man world of like 2007, 2008-ish, where they were putting money into these weird little indie projects that might become something one day. The faith that they have, like the low-risk, high-reward value of these things don't exist anymore, unless they're on Netflix and then they're like, you know, rubber stamped to death and like becoming like, these boring everything the same like there's nothing like repo and we aren't gonna get anything like this unless it's done by an independent company and something like that so i am amazed that we have this film i am grateful this film exists does it work all the time no do i enjoy it thoroughly every time i watch it hell yes i do this film is so much fun it's so goofy that some of like the greatest ideas i've had as like if you had just pitched me individual scenes from this i would be like yes yes this all works like the drug dealing like nursery rhyme is hilarious and like a great like um comparison and the scene where shiloh calls her dad while she's snuck out of the house and he's murdering a guy and they're <laughs> both lying to each other that's a pretty funny scene they're like that's the uh, best scene in the movie yeah he's, he says uh dad what's that uh, i've got a patient will he live it's doubtful it's fucking great if the movie had more of that like the dark humor of thankless job if all of that had been like pulled together and they had streamlined all the rest of it out of it this would be actually a fantastic show but right now it's a fun cult thing in the same vein as rocky horror it's a sh- breeze to watch so if you got something you want to watch this halloween oh yeah it's a halloween episode cue the thunderclap and the and the music breeze oh, you thought we weren't gonna do it we did it <laughs> It's playing art. So my cheese rating at the end of all this is a cheese called Largo. Um, It is a triple cream cheese made with pasteurized cow milk cheese produced in Adante Dairy in California, United States. Very similar to a French cheese. Um, This cheese is a combination of the rich Jersey milk and the cream fraiche. When fully aged, the Largo is nutty, smooth, and soft on the tongue with hints of mushroom. Flavors are pleasant and sweet with a delicious long finish because you keep thinking about this right long after it ends. And also Rotilago. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- that's it. Like, that's great, right, Andrew? 
It's great. You know, I really feel like this could come out now. There's so many indie horror companies that probably would latch onto something like this and make it. Blumhouse and... wouldn't make this. <laughs> they may not, but they also might. And if they did make it, they may not make it look like a shitty 2000 Saw movie. Well, the thing is, this is a very <laughs> gore heavy thing that came from like the gore, like you cringe horror that was like a thing in the early aughts yeah, it's really not part. that it's not in that genre though it just isn't i feel it feels crowbarred in because like in the commentary the director was told by the studio um don't put in anything you can't edit out to make it pg-13 <laughs> <laughs> which is a ridiculous thing for the movie we got yeah i don't know but you know what I, who I, does know andrew our patrons our wonderful <laughs> patrons thank you guys for listening um christy why don't you tell everyone where they can find you like they don't already know but go for it <laughs> all right um musicalhell.com i'm on youtube i'm on twitter i'm on tumblr i'm on facebook um you know i've got stuff coming out whenever this is uh, usually uh first and third mondays of the month depending on what's going on in real life uh so come see it mm-hmm She's also one of our patrons. We mentioned that in the mid-show, but thank you for supporting and, and us and making this show possible. And one of mine, so give it, uh, give in return. <laughs> you are one of the wonderful people keeping Brie down here employed, so we thank you very much. I think Brie thanks wonderful. you more, though. Yes, thank you. Also, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to pay Brie's paycheck. <laughs> I received a full-time position today, so... Hell yeah! Ooh, yeah! Woo! Make it rain! <laughs> We did it, guys. It was you all did it. Us. You guys, you guys kept me in my house until I could find a full time job. We well, did we're it. We're glad to hear that. Yes, but it's still a scary do the podcast. World. Yeah, yeah. You're not leaving. You're 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 oh, in never. for this no, until yeah. we we die. You're not allowed to leave <laughs> ever. Brianna, <laughs> <laughs> you signed away your eyes. She signed away her eyes. So if she decides to leave, we're gonna cut them out. <laughs> We did and it. then we you did can it, buy them, or you can get them if you uh, subscribe to Patreon. Yeah, you get Bree's eyes if she leaves, so <laughs> just know that. Um, thank you guys for listening. We went on way too long, but we love y'all anyway. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher at Musicals with Cheese. Please leave us reviews. Um, we, we need them reviews to be m more approved and more liked and more seen, and that helps us a lot. Follow us on Twitter, at Cheesy Musicals, our Patreon, Musicals with Cheese, our Instagram, Musicals with Cheese, our YouTube page, Musicals with Cheese. We have a patron-only podcast um, currently about Fosse Verdon, and I think after that we're going to be covering the Muppet movies. So we're just going to go through all the Muppet Ooh. films. Christy, would you be interested in guesting on one of them? It's behind a paywall, but it would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. You know, Muppets, Muppets uh, musicals. I'm there. <laughs> okay, you the got Muppets that to look fantastic. forward to. Like all the Muppet movies, and Christy's gonna join us for at least one episode, maybe more. Um, if you got an email, just like um the wonderful email I described in the mid show, please shoot us an email at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our title card was created by the amazing Jolene Casco. Go send her some love on Instagram at Jolene Casco. This show is produced by the wonderful, the incredible, the perfect, the now fully employed Brianna Jones. Yeah. Impossible to do it without her. Um, a special thank you to the broadway podcast network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off for saying some of the horrible stuff we say <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward when we criticize a musical and then realize like one of the people in that musical is on the network with us and no one has called us out for it yet <laughs> yet yet we're it, allowed it, to be rude we're catty and crass that's why they bought us we are catty and crass that is our catchphrase <laughs> that's our tagline now <laughs> buy the t-shirts kids 
It's funny right, now, but when Jess got that email, he was like literally panicking. Like I was really, really sad. <laughs> yeah. I, it really, I felt really bad. <laughs> and now it's a running joke on the show. So guess time doesn't <laughs> um, All right, we got to get us out of here. We got to watch the the Democratic debates or whatever's going on. We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. It's a fank, less job, but somebody's got to do it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.